Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. Today's show, I am going to talk about privileged asset management or privileged access management, however you would like to refer to it. Ultimately, it's called PAM, and there's also another topic called identity and access management called IAM. So I'm going to utilize PAM and IAM as uh, some acronyms here in this in this presentation. And what I'm seeking to do here is to address a few critical concerns around this particular topic. One is many IT service providers struggle with this particular topic. And so they've got some kind of distributed infrastructure challenges, meaning you know they've got a primary data center, um, they've got a primary facility, and they're managing a whole bunch of facilities remotely. And these facilities are not, like it's not the same thing as, oh, I've got this one big company and, you know, I'm internal IT at this big company and we've got 30 sites and all of the sites are connected in what would be the equivalency of a local area network connectivity. So, uh, you know, let, if we talk about those two, you know, primary use cases, then I, I think there's a lot of insight that can come from that. And I want to talk about those, the challenges that we have to face with that. Now, the interesting piece is that in the last 12 months, even small to medium business is now being required from a cybersecurity insurance perspective. So this is going to be even, you know, you're really small school districts. If you're like, oh my gosh, you know, we've only got a thousand students. Yep. Well, you're going to have to do this too. So this is a pretty much applicable to everyone that has an IT department. And I would argue that if you have a cybersecurity insurance policy, or if you should have a policy, you need to be doing this stuff and you need to be doing it well. And by the way, if you do this stuff well, you are really doing a very good job of mitigating becoming a victim of ransomware or hacking, credential theft, a credential compromise, these sorts of things. Okay, so I want to uh, start off with, uh, to kind of concretify this concept for you, let's start off with a problem. So there was a gentleman on a forum who posted and he said, you know, hey, I've been looking at the renewals of cybersecurity insurance for a bunch of my clients and we've been presented with the requirement for multi-factor authentication attestation. And what it says is, quote, all internal and remote administrative access to network infrastructure, such as firewalls, routers, switches, servers, etc. So this, by the way, also includes cloud assets, um, need to be covered under multi-factor authentication and attestation. So let's clarify what is attestation. Well, it is auditing, uh, compliance reporting, really knowing who did what and when having some sort of accountability. And now the whole multi-factor authentication component, let's talk about that real briefly here, where I think we all understand what MFA really is kind of at its core basic concept. There are things called compensating controls and a compensating control says, you know, if you're going to manage this switch, then 
um, you can only get to that switch from this privileged admin workstation, and that privileged admin workstation is only able to be connected to by these other computers and only with these other credentials and so forth. And then the credentials to actually get into the switch are inside of another system that has multi-factor authentication. So that's a lot of compensating controls. And there is definitely an argument to be made for compensating controls. I think, however, we can get to an even more sophisticated and more easily understood, more adaptable and scalable uh, solution if we simply utilize something like a really enterprise grade identity and access management solution. And then, you know, as soon as I say enterprise grade, somebody's like, oh my gosh, that's got to cost an enormous amounts of money. Uh, really, it does not if you have. Uh, the right product selection and it is set up correctly to begin with and then your um, maintenance for it is understood and well executed. Now, if you don't execute these things well, it's really no different than if you executed anything else very poorly. Any system that you implement, if you implement it poorly and insecurely and if it's intended to be a security system that provides access to other things, well, then you've just created a giant honeypot that is able to be exploited by the bad guys, right? And, and then you're not adequately protecting it. So, uh, you know, there are some prerequisite contingencies here to the strategy. There is no cloud solution that's going to do this, all right? I'm just going to say it straight up. If you think that you can go, like, buy some cloudy cloud 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 thing that is going to get this done, uh, that doesn't exist, it doesn't exist in the market today. To my knowledge, which is pretty extensive on this particular topic, there's a very short list of very sophisticated privileged access management solutions and identity and access management solutions for administration purposes, right? So we're talking about the IT management, the IT privileged access management stuff here. In this context, there's very few products that do this. And they're all mature products that are enterprise grade, and some of them are ridiculously expensive, and some of them are extremely affordable. Okay, so let's talk about why compensating controls by themselves are not a perfect solution. I'm not saying they're bad. You should absolutely use them anyways, right? There, there's, I mean, do you ever have a, a time when you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and go like, oh gee, I regret using compensating controls. No, <laughs> like that doesn't happen. You know, you're always gonna be like, oh yes, yes, I'm so glad I have compensating controls in place, <laughs> you know? Because compensating controls is just a configuration that you put in place. It's not like some sort of monthly fee that's whacking you. You know, so it's just a config. And because it's just a config, why not do it? All right, so some of the downsides, let's just talk through some specific examples here where you have a switch that you want to manage. It's not a cloud-managed switch. And uh, in even really, frankly, in the realm of cloud-managed switches, I have some fundamental security uh, concerns with those. And that has, that has actually borne out uh, in the last 12 months where there were compromises of networks that happened only because the cloud controlled 
entity got compromised and that counterparty risk caused downstream compromises. So that was when a lot of IT service providers brought that kind of controller back into their own data center where they could have more control over it and reduce the counterparty risk. So you know this goes back to this realm of that strategy is as good as your ability to secure that asset. So one of the things you need to be thinking about in terms of that is always be using a dedicated and fully isolated VLAN for that asset. Like uh, if you have a BCDR appliance, that really needs to be on its own VLAN and have that be totally isolated. Uh, and, and when I mean isolated, I mean you've got really hardcore lockdown ACLs. The only thing in and out of there is exactly what you have designated and only exactly to and from where you designate it. And you really have got to think that through tightly. So really, really tight supply chain risk management on that. And same thing with like an RMM server. Same thing with a privileged access management server. There is no reason for you to say, oh, oh, it's so hard. My life is so hard because I've had to add another VLAN. No, baloney, add the VLAN. Okay, add the ACLs. Set it up as a custom security zone, which means it doesn't trust anything natively at all. You're only, you're having to say, look, this isn't going to talk to diddly squad of anything unless I tell it it can talk there. And then you need to log it, you need to do IDS, IPS, you need to do application control, you need to proxy things, you need to go really heavy duty, hardcore network layer security on that. And no, there is not a sassy agent on the entire planet that has the level of sophistication that a premise network layer security appliance running as the core router will ever achieve. I've looked at all the sassies on the, pl product, on the planet. They don't have that functionality. They're not that sophisticated. In fact, I'm pretty disappointed by every sassy that I've ever looked at. It just doesn't have the level of sophisticated uh, inspection controls that what you would expect out of a proper enterprise-grade network layer security appliance. Okay. So now, you want to manage the switch. You've got two accounts. You've got a primary admin and a secondary admin. It is very cumbersome to try to do RADIUS authentication. RADIUS is totally fine if you're talking about you're the IT department for a large company and you want to do Active Directory integrated authentication and whatever else. Okay, fine. Go ahead and do your RADIUS authentication in that context. RADIUS authentication in the IT service provider market is very, very cumbersome to implement and you're also creating a level of integration that isn't adding any value there. Like, where is the integrative value to have Active Directory or Radius integrated authentication in general into the switching infrastructure? You know, you're not getting economies of scale out of that because it's not like you've got $400,000 worth of network equipment that you're gaining access to with this Radius integration. You know, typically it's going to be, you know, a handful of switches at in an environment, at, at a typical SMB environment, it's a handful of switches. So what you really need is privileged access management where you have multi-factor authentication and you have compliance reporting and attestation about who did what and so forth. And if you'd even like to add like session recording on top of that, ooh, ooh, that would be awfully cool to have, wouldn't it? So you can do that. What you need is a 
an identity and access management server and a privileged access management system that is going to do that for you. So, for example, you could go get Password State, which is a Click Studios product, and you could have all of your team have accounts in there. And yes, it has RBAC, role-based access control. And then you harden the poop out of that, and you have a, a duplicate server, and you can either do active-active or active-passive replication and failover. Right, so now you've got your redundancy. You don't have any counterparty risk because you're hosting it yourself. All right, the backups are fantastic. Uh, you, you can keep up to 50 backups right there on the device. And of course, every day you would take that whole backup replica set offsite and so forth, right? Uh, it has a mobile portal. One of the things that it has is this uh, mechanism whereby you can utilize password state to reach out into these remote sites that you're managing. And so if you go out to Password State's website, which is uh, clickstudios.com.au, because they're in Australia, and you look for their documentation on remote site locations, the way this basically works is you're putting your uh, privileged admin system out there, you could maybe, you know, maybe you're going to use a domain controller for that, but you're, you know, you're basically going to have some device that's on premise that's going to run this agent, which is a connector back into your IAM server, you know, your privileged access management server. And then when your people who have multi factor authenticated and IP access control restricted, Okay, and, 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 tight, 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 compensating controls. They're going into the PAM system, and then there's RBAC in there, and you can have a situation where they cannot see that switch admin password. So you can grant them the access to create an SSH session with a recording, so like record their whole activity while they're on that SSH session, and of course log it for compliance reporting and so forth. So your PAM system can create an SSH session through the agent that's on premise. And then that reaches into that switch. And now what you're really talking about here is this device that you've set up on premise. You need to set up this device on premise as if it is a privileged admin workstation, right? So if you, you're talking about your client site and your client site, you, you have some privileged admin workstation over there. This is very typical to have. Uh, many people are putting out little uh, Intel nooks for this purpose. You know, it really only needs to be like a, you know, a Windows workstation. Whoopie-doo. But now that PAW, that privileged admin workstation, that PAW is on the PAW VLAN that is at the client site. And you've got all these tight ACLs there. Again, that's a custom security zone, meaning it doesn't trust anything natively. Uh, you can choose to Active Directory integrate that if you'd like. Uh, I, think, I think there's benefits to doing that. 
but you have to have really, really tight ACLs for communication. And now once you invest the time to figure out what those right, that right mix of ports and protocols are, then you just rinse and repeat that for the rest of your clients and maintain that. But now imagine you, you now have a situation where you can allow five of your engineers to manage that switch for that client, but you don't have to have five accounts on that switch, you know, one for each one of your engineers, nor, nor do you have to have that switch syslog integrated into some sort of SIM. You don't have to do that. In fact, I would argue there's not a whole lot of value in doing that. Because the only thing you were really trying to accomplish, you know, like that, I'm not, syslog is not, it's not a switch monitoring system. Okay, let's just be fair. It's not a switch mon. So that's not why we would do it. Um, if you want a switch monitoring solution, the best approach there that is the most functional and least expense is going to be whatever the manufacturer provides. Like if you look at extreme XOS switches or extreme switches in general, you've got extreme cloud IQ. You've got this beautiful converged web, cloud managed web interface that sucks all this health data for all the switches and all this event data for all the switches into a centralized console. And uh, it gives you converged visibility with your entire wireless infrastructure. So, you know, eh, it's pretty slicky, pretty, pretty slick, right? And I, I, you don't need to pay for Domotes. You don't need to pay for AVIC. You don't need to pay for, you know, separate SIM logging. You know, you just don't need any of that horse hockey. And because it's designed and built by the manufacturer, it just, you know, it works to a level of integrative beauty that no third-party solution can actually do. Okay, so back to, we don't have five accounts on the switch because you've got five engineers you want to manage the switch. You have two accounts. You've got your primary admin, your secondary admin, and only your root, only your root admins for the entire PAM system would even know what those passwords are. And then everybody else is using our back inside of the PAM system and they're granted access not to see the password, but to log into the switch via SSH through the PAM system. So the PAM system is authenticating on behalf of the session of the authorized user in your PAM system that you generate, that you know, that you um, authorize to do so. So this is really cool also in the realm where this now facilitates way better compliance, way better reporting, logging, access control. You know, you're basically making it so that the only way in which one of your employees or contractors can get at something is only if they come through this very, very, very tight, narrow window, which is the privileged admin workstation you give them to do their stuff from. And then they have to get into the PAM system. And then only through the PAM system are they able to get into the other assets to do management. You know, so this, you can extend this through all kinds of realms. 
the the realm of the systems of like a lot of cloud management portals, they already have their own uh, multi-factor authentication. In many cases, they already have their own compliance logging. Like TeamViewer is a great example of that. TeamViewer has its own accounts. It has uh, its own compliance logging and reporting and security alerting and its own multi-factor authentication, right? It's got all of that, so you, you don't need a duplicate of that. What your PAM systems are really doing is they're drastically helping you with tiered access control. They are drastically helping you with regards to how do I do privileged access management into these devices that have historically really only been intended for, you know, I've got these like three guys that I trust to manage my $400,000 worth of network equipment, okay? <laughs> so it goes back to that, you know, that original question, which was, you know, MFA attestation for all internal and remote admin access to the network infrastructure, such as firewalls, routers, switches, servers, workstations. Okay, so if you uh, want to do a workstation thing, there's a lot of IT service providers that buy software solutions for the purposes of being able to have like a tier one admin access into workstations. And um, it's, it's funny how many times an IT service provider will go buy a bunch of different tools just because they haven't like selected the one tool that can do all of that stuff. So password state's another great example of something where you could create a tier one admin and that tier one admin is, uh, <clears throat> um, you, you could actually have a bunch of local accounts that are managed by the PAM server uh, with you know, pa automatic password rotation and unique passwords per endpoint. And then when your team needs to access that thing, they're just accessing it through that endpoint. You know, and I'm not saying that this is the easiest thing in the world to set up, nor am I saying that this is the only way to do it. What I'm saying is that it's, you know, you want to know about these types of things so that you can think through, mm, wow, you know, really, uh, this may be a technology I want to invest in as opposed to, you know, buying five different tools to do a, a bunch of different things. So I've been super, super, super impressed with Password State, been using it for years, and really up to this point in time have found very little that it can't do. In fact, usually the, the only limitation is my understanding of what the product can do. <laughs> so um, somebody brought up a question about a Bastion host, and I don't, um, I think that a Bastion host is not the right course of action anymore. Bastion host is, is really kind of an old paradigm, and I don't see it fitting anymore. So... You know, you need to be using micro-segmentation strategies, very, very hardened network access control restrictions, and that should be in place already. If you're doing proper security now, 
All of that should be in place already. You should already have a privileged admin workstation VLAN, a tier zero VLAN, you know, all of these little separated VLANs and all these different environments that you're managing. All that stuff should be there. Like if you don't have a printer's VLAN and all the printers are on the VLAN, you need to fix that. You know, if you're running the wired PCs on the same VLAN as the wireless PCs, I could make an argument that that's somewhat problematic because really those two devices, wired PCs versus wireless PCs, they have a different security zone profile. And obviously guest is guest, which is a totally separate animal itself. So, you know, what you should be doing already is you should have a PAM server in place. I think a lot of people were using IT glue. And the problem is, is that it just was, I mean, you know, really IT glue has a lot of issues, um, but it, it's not that enterprise grade tool that has the kind of integrative features as like what password state has. Uh, it's certainly vastly more expensive than password state. And you should already be having tiered access control in place. You should already have compensating controls in place. Let's talk a little bit more about some like account compensating controls. Just look at a switch, for example. You can set up ACLs on a switch to say, look, SSH sessions can only come in from uh, these IP ranges. And that IP range should be your privileged admin workstation IP range. And it shouldn't really allow connections from much of anything else. Uh, in the case of service accounts or domain admin accounts or tier zero admin accounts, anything like that, you ought to be using like account logon restrictions and techniques that prevent password caching where something like Mimikatz could exploit it. You should be doing Kerberos encryption enforcement, um, probably protected user account configuration, Lots and lots of things, including the hardening of the endpoints as well. All this stuff should be in place already. And if you don't have those things in place already, then really the, the kind of intent of what this cybersecurity insurance application is trying to get to, where it's talking about, are you actually like really securing internal and remote administrative access to infrastructure. Oh, by the way, your DNS hosting, your external DNS hosting, you're darned right that's infrastructure. What about your domain hosting? Do you have MFA and all of those? You know, I did a lot of study into this and the only hosting provider that I have found that I really like for DNS hosting that has uh, groups, role-based access control, individual accounts, multi-factor authentication, and yet it's cost-effective and the, the, the service works phenomenally well. Uh, records update super, super, super fast. The web UI is totally intuitive to someone who, who's like a, a network engineer who really understands DNS records because a lot of the systems are just dumbed down and they're just, they're so irritating, they're so dumbed down. Uh, the only provider that I found that I really like is DNS Made Easy. And you just basically pay a flat annual fee for each one of the people that you'd like to have an account. And you can have sub-accounts, you can have groups, you can, I mean, it's just, it's very flexible. Take a look at it. And it's very scalable from very, very small usage all the way up to super enterprise usage. So, you, you know, you need to be thinking about MFA 
and privileged account management for all your external resources too. You know, what about your constant contact account as an example? I'm not saying that that's infrastructure, but it darn well is something you ought to be thinking about. So you ought to be having all of these types of hardening, compensating controls, auditing, uh, that should already be in place. In terms of like network layer security management, you should al already have a centralized management server. You should be having reports that come out of that on a daily basis that someone is the compliance officer is required to look at every day and to review the contents of that report that says, this person did this on this appliance and your compliance officer needs to not only retain those, review them daily, but retain those reports for the designated retention period, which is probably a year. And then they need to be looking at that content on a daily basis and saying, hmm, uh, is this, was this normal? You know, if Bob was doing, if it says that Bob was doing this stuff, so was Bob working yesterday? And is that one of the accounts that Bob's work, Bob works on, right? Uh, and is, does that look like the type of changes that Bob would be making, you know, and, and call up Bob, talk to Bob if you have to, right? But somebody needs, your compliance officer needs to be looking at that stuff. And, and by the way, also, um, something like privileged account management or pr privileged asset management is a PAM server is not necessarily going to help you for accessing your network layer security appliance management server. But when you're utilizing compensating controls, it says, look, you can actually only authenticate to this from these certain resources because you've got network uh, ACLs in place that prevent that. You've now met the stated requirement of locking it down for internal and, and external admin access to network infrastructure.